Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. So welcome back. Thanks everyone for listening and making commitments to your learning. We hope you are doing well and keeping sane. Um, we are your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by Jordan Porter. And hi. And I know I'm excited. This is exciting. We have um Miss Liz Houston on today. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with the fabulous, fun fit and fantastic hosts Ooh. of this podcast apparently we you're going the for the, the letter yes. f this week yes yes <laughs> so before we dive into this week's episode we just want a c- couple of quick reminders first um there are puppy noises in this episode so yep. enjoy them <laughs> um, yeah because i do leave them in because they're cute <laughs> yeah it's a little compassion satisfaction puppy noise um, and then the, the big thing is, uh, we are going to be talking about some pretty tough subjects this week. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that everybody's in that comfortable space to have that conversation. Um, just remember, we are not mental health professionals. We recommend you seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified provider with any questions regarding your mental health. We understand that this may be a very sensitive subject. Some of these conversations may be triggers for certain people. So just kind of, you know, keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, If you are feeling suicidal, thinking of harming yourself, or are concerned that someone you may know um, may be in danger of hurting himself or herself, um, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK or one 800 273 8255 uh, or visit your local emergency room. Uh, there are some more numbers that we've linked to with uh, not one more vet support staff. Um, so, so take a look at those as well. The information in this podcast episode is intended to help listeners learn about mental health and suicide prevention is for information purposes only. This episode should not be used as a substitute for medical advice, counseling, or other mental health services. Uh, And just quick reminder that the the mental health series is not going to be race approved because again, we're we're not professionals. So, um, I mean, we're professional and veterinary technicians. We're not mental health professionals. Uh, So so just with all those, those kind of little things out of the way, um, we're going to dive on into uh, the conversation with Miss Liz. So just in case for some reason you guys don't know who Liz is, Liz, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. And then I'll have to put in the notes, like all the initials after your name, because like, I know there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I am a credentialed veterinary technician. I hold uh, three of the four currently available titles for veterinary technicians. Nice. Uh, just missing that Tennessee LV. Yeah, I was like, does that bother you that you don't have the Tennessee one yet? A little bit. A yeah. little bit. <laughs> uh, I am also a VTS in small animal internal medicine, like Yvonne and Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'm also a VTS in emergency and critical care. Uh, I Super am smart. here today primarily 
because of my role as one of the administrators of the Not One More Vet Support Staff Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what Not One More Vet is, I will give you a, a little overview of the organization. I know we're going to delve a little bit more into it, but Not One More Vet was founded after the suicide of Sophia Yin, who was a uh, veterinary behaviorist at UC Davis, very involved in veterinary behavior, brilliant, uh, big into client education, into training veterinary professionals. She developed an entire course around low stress handling before Fear Free was a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and she, unfortunately, uh, she died by suicide. And it was a, quite a shock to the veterinary community when that happened. And it was particularly shocking that someone with the education background and the, and the behavior background that she had mm. uh, felt that, that that was what she had to do. Uh, and so this organization was started after, in the wake of that suicide. And it, the idea behind Not One More Vet is that we need to be talking more about the struggles, about the mental health issues, about the problems that we face as veterinary professionals. We need to be talking about it more so that we can help people avoid that, that perceived solution of mm -hmm. dying by suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, the statistics are staggering after, after Sophia Yin's suicide is when we really started to see research delving into this. And that's where we found, and I believe you guys talked about this already in a previous episode, that the rates of suicide in the veterinary profession, and most research up to this point has been unfortunately only on veterinarians, but the rate is anywhere between three to, I believe, 12 times higher than the general population. So even those professions that have always kind of traditionally been those that we think of as, as high suicide risk, like dentists, right? Dentists mm -hmm. for a long time were kind of the poster children for professionals yeah. in terms of suicide, but veterinarians are worse. And as this, so, so that's what Not One More Vet does. It was founded with this premise uh, that we need to be talking more about it. We need to remove the stigma around suicide. We need to be talking about it. And that it's only through talking about it, peer support, making sure that people know they're not alone. That's how we prevent it or one of the ways Right. we can mm -hmm. work to yeah. prevent suicide. Yeah. Cause you and I talked about it, um, about just me kind of telling all of my dirty secrets about <laughs> what I've been going through, but it, it's just because of that. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't hear anybody else talking about it when I was going through it. And then when I finally, I don't know, cause I also like, didn't really seek help. Like I wasn't out talking to a friend and being like, Hey, I'm struggling because like, I didn't know. I just thought it was a rough patch and I thought I would just come out of it like no big deal. Um, but then it took me finally talking to my friend who kind of called me out on it. She's like, Some something's up, like what's wrong? And like, she's very open with me with her depression. So I started talking to her. She's like, Jordan, like I'm, I've been there. Like I've, I've done that. Like, let, this is what you need to do. Go see a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And like, she really helped. But I think it was because like, I don't know, I guess, I mean, nobody, I didn't hear anybody talking about it before. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah. The whole point of this series is even though we're not professionals like i've i've experienced it 
And I feel like it, it is just one of those things where it's like, once you hear somebody else went through it, you're like, oh, okay, well maybe this is like, not, I'm not just going to pull out of this. Like I, I need something else. And that's one of the things that I really love about Not One More Vet is it's all peer driven. Mm-hmm. None of us are, none of the three of us here today, none of us in Not One More Vet are trained mental health professionals. Right. We as administrators of the Facebook group in particular, all volunteers with Not One More Vet go through the gatekeeper training, the um, suicide prevention training that is now free from AVMA Mm -hmm. and it's called QPR training. This is QPR stands for question, persuade, refer. Uh, It is, the training is really short. It's really easy to do. It's totally free now. It was for a while only free for AVMA members, but now it's free for basically everyone in the veterinary profession. And you learn how to recognize the signs of someone who might be thinking about suicide or Mm -hmm. self-harm, recognizing those signs, then being able to talk to talk to a person about it with confidence. So for me, that was a big issue before I learned about suicide, before I learned about uh, you know, how we can help support people through that. I bought into this myth of the, of the suicide contagion, which we, Mm. I think people, I think are, is pretty common that if you talk about suicide, if you ask someone, if they're thinking about suicide, Mm -hmm. uh, you're more likely to encourage them to think about suicide. Yeah. And that's not the case. The research doesn't, doesn't show that to be the case. So those folks who spend their professional careers researching suicide, which, oof, I mean, God has blessed them because that is a rough, rough topic to be really to the focus of your life on. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's deep. It's, it's dark. It's heavy. Uh, but it's, but when they do this research, when they talk about these things with people who had a failed attempt, with people who thought about it but didn't follow through, with people who aren't suicidal or having thoughts of self-harm, uh, we know that the more we talk about it, the less likely it is that someone is actually going to follow through on their plans mm-hmm. to, to hurt themselves. We know that questioning someone, asking them straight out, if they're thinking about committing suicide, I'm sorry, that's not the right terminology. I want to take a second to step back because even I, you know, I talk about this topic um, just in my role and I still sometimes use the wrong terminology. So we don't like to say committing suicide or someone committed suicide Mm -hmm. because that makes it sound like a crime and it's not it's not a crime to take your own life. It's not a crime to kill yourself Mm. uh, or to try to kill yourself. Like, don't think that it's a crime. It it is, we need to help people who want to hurt themselves, Mm -hmm. criminalize it or further stigmatize it. Using that word commit or someone committed makes it sound Hmm. criminal. And so instead we say died by suicide or uh, 
killed themselves or took their own life. I don't even like killed themselves, um, mm-hmm. made the decision to die by suicide. That's, you know, it, the language is not perfect, but I think being intentional about the way we talk about it is important. So that actually yeah. makes asking, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So asking a person, are, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Mm. Just asking them straight up, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Is then you've opened up the conversation mm. and you may have someone who says to you, oh, no, 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 I would never do that. Or uh, why would you say that to me? They might get angry, right? Mm. They might be hurt. They might be upset. Uh, but you've opened up the conversation. Right. And you might have those people who say, uh, yeah, I am thinking about hurting myself. Mm. I am thinking about suicide. And in fact, I'm not only thinking about it, I have a bottle of pills at home that I'm planning to take mm. tonight or tomorrow, or as soon as I can get my dogs rehomed, or mm. as soon as my husband goes away on a business trip or whatever. Or, mm. you know, one night when I'm closing the clinic, I'm going to take a Hesca and I'm going to load up a bag, right? I'm going to mm. put, a, put a spike set into a bottle of Euthazol and I'm going, that's my plan. Then if you know, if you've questioned, they've confided in you that they have a plan that they want to, they've been thinking about hurting themselves. They have a plan to hurt themselves. Then you can persuade them, use your powers of persuasion as a friend, Mm -hmm. as a colleague, as a boss, as a uh, underling, whatever word we want to use as as a support staff member to say, Hey, can I convince you to, to get help? Mm. Can you, would you be willing to get on the phone with me and the suicide line? Like, I think the suicide line would be helpful. Mm. There are people who are trained in this. I'm not trained in this. I don't know the best way to help you, but I know there are people available who want to help you through this. And I'm not going anywhere. Let's get on the phone together. And, you know, I'll make the call. I'll do the talking at the beginning. Um, You can just listen. Like, sometimes it's just enough just to get them onto the phone with someone. And feel like they have some support. Exactly. And then to let them know you're not scared away, Mm. right? I'm I'm not going anywhere. You told me maybe the scariest thing that you've ever thought, that you've ever shared with someone and I'm not going anywhere. You didn't scare me away. You didn't make me run the other direction. I'm not sitting here saying, oh my gosh, you're such a huge burden on me. I can't take this. Why would you put that on me? Mm. Um, I'm here with you and I want to help you. So that's the persuade part. Let me get you on the phone with a resource and then the refer part, right? So then you need the tools to know who to refer to. And Mm. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. That's awesome. I, uh, so that QPR training was really interesting to me because it was Mm. an area that I never delved into before. I Mm. didn't know, I didn't understand about, uh, the myth of suicide contagion. I really believed it. Mm. I believed that if the more we talk about it, the worse it's going to be. And so learning that that's not true was a big mind shift for me. Uh, and really put me in a, in a, in a way it put me in a much more empathetic place 
than I may have been in the past. Hmm. Um, I, you know, when I was young, when I was a teenager, uh, that was the last time I considered self-harm. I don't think it's an uncommon experience for teenage girls to consider killing mm -hmm. themselves mm -hmm. or, or doing harm to themselves. We know that, that cutting, for example, or self-harm is, is very common among uh, young girls, adolescent mm. girls. It is, there, is, there is some in, in boys as well, or people who are masculine versus mm. people who are feminine, but it does seem to be a little more prevalent among women. Um, so I don't think that's an uncommon experience. And yeah. I, that was the last time I had suicidal ideation. Um, and so it's, it is difficult for me to recognize now that, not to recognize, but it, it has given me a lot more empathy for people who are going through the struggle now as adults mm -hmm. yeah. uh, compared to the struggle I went through as a child. And I think for me, I'm old now, right? I'm 50. <laughs> like that's, I'm sorry, but that's old. And so like, <laughs> I, can I just girl, say like how mind blowing that is? Like, I know everybody was giving me crap about the whole like whatever bear thing, but like, I did not think you were 50. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I recognize I've lived, honestly, I have lived long enough now to recognize that things get better. Mm -hmm. You can be in a terrible spot. You can think that there is nothing for you in this world. And within a week, two weeks, a month, mm -hmm. things can completely change. Look at what this pandemic has done to us, where we were all just trucking along like normal, everything fine, going to concerts, going out to eat, seeing our friends, right? And all of a sudden, our world was completely changed. And mm -hmm. look at how quickly we all some of us better than others, but we all pivoted, right? And we all changed basically mm. how we live our entire lives. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the key, I think, is making sure that your brain chemistry allows you to recognize that things are going to get better. Mm. And that mm. is where, that is where the pharmaceutical help happens. And I have said in my professional career, in my vet tech career for years, better living through chemistry. Oh, mm. you're nauseated. Take some meropitin. Oh, you are aggressive. You need some drugs to chill you out so that we can work with you. You're anxious. You need some drugs to help with that anxiety. And really then for when you, when you take it from that point, translating it to the human side like hey <laughs> yeah. you're an anxious human do you, you know how miserable your ancient anxious dog and cat patients are right you see how miserable they are right and you put them on medication to help them manage that anxiety right so be gentle with yourself too yeah recognize yeah that, I, that is i think going jordan to and i you. we talked about that we were like how is it you know we and, I joke and it's, about it a lot at work right, because yeah. I'm so hardcore. Like everybody needs pred, everybody, needs, <laughs> which is funny too. Cause like with my like autoimmune issues too, my doctor was like, do you want to go back on pred? And I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but you know, and we see that with owners, right? We mm -hmm. see that with, with pet parents who say, 
I don't want to put my dog on Pred or I don't want to put my dog on an anti-epileptic drug because Mm -hmm. um, I don't want their behavior to change. But okay, yeah, but they're going to have seizures like every three Mm -hmm. weeks. And that's not okay. You don't like that either. So, so we have to give ourselves the same empathy and compassion and, you know, and I had to learn to like, give that to the other people in my world, right? Like you have to give that to yourself, just like you do to your patients. And that I think is, is a key thing to think about. If you had a pet in front of you, dog or cat or bearded dragon or a bird and birds, man, they show you, they show you their <laughs> <Yeah>. psychological <laughs> problems, right? It is literally written on their bodies because they pick Start all of their feathers, their feathers. Out, right? <laughs> so if you have that bird in front of you, are you going to tell that bird to just suck it up, get better? Why are you picking your feathers? Just like get out, get more sun, go out and hike, <laughs> go drink just more chill water. Out. Like it's ridiculous, right? We yeah. know that major changes have to happen in that bird's life, including pharmaceutical help to get them to the point where they can function and be healthy um, in a way that they're supposed to. And I think that is something really key for people to remember is um, your brain, your brain, when it is in imbalance, Mm -hmm. when it is in depression, when you're not taking your thyroid medications, when you don't have adequate levels of your vitamins and minerals, because you're not eating well, because you're not sleeping, because you're not getting outside, right? When your brain has those pressures on it, plus the added pressures, all of the pressures we deal with, your brain lies to you. Your brain lies to you Mm -hmm. when you are in that place. Depression, anxiety, they are liars. They tell you you're not good enough. They tell you you are alone. They tell you that no one else knows what you're going through or has ever experienced this before Mm -hmm. in their life. And you are completely by yourself and no one understands. And you're a burden to everyone that the world doesn't think about you, that the world doesn't care about you. That is a lie. That is the chemistry of your brain lying to you. And there are lots of ways that you can overcome that lie, right? You can, you Mm -hmm. can that liar, you can medicate the heck out of that liar, right? Get your chemistry back in balance. There are lots of ways to do that. So well, and I think if, people forget too, it isn't because Jordan and I, we've talked about it. We're like, it's not just like a set it and forget it, right? You don't just go on exactly. a one thing and then you're on it for the rest of your life because just like the rest of our body, hormones fluctuate. And when things get healthier, your body like equilibrates and like, you know, right. maybe you don't have to be on it forever, but it gets you through that rough patch right? because of whatever well, else happened, you know during that time. Homeostasis, right? You talk about this on the podcast a lot. And that is really the part of one of the big goals of internal medicine is to Mm -hmm. bring the body back into homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the body needs help to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not always medication, right? I am not the magic pill popper girl. (laughs) 
I am not out here saying everybody should be on antidepressants. Everybody should be on anti-anxiety meds. Not necessarily. There are other ways Mm -hmm. that you can train your brain, that you can change your brain. Um, But I think I see so many people reject the idea of medication outright because they're worried. Um, you know, Jordan talked about this. Mm-hmm. Jordan, I and I said before we started, and I'm going to say it while we're recording. <laughs> like your vulnerability is a model. It is impressive. It's going to help so many people because what you're talking about is such a universal experience of people yeah. saying, "I don't want to feel like I need a crutch." to live my life every day. But, but (laughs) when you're hurt, right. When you have an injury, the crutch helps you recover to the point until you don't need the crutch anymore. And I think that was the thing that like, I mean, I I was very much hardcore anti-medications and I was very much like, okay, well, once I get on medications, I'm going to come off them right away. But now being on, like I've, it finally made me realize that I needed medications to get back to the natural things that used to make me feel better. Like I used to love going to the gym, but when I was depressed, like I wasn't getting my normal high from it. Same with going out on the boat or going fishing and being outside. And like, we talked about like trying to meditate and journaling and stuff like that, which I'm in process of trying to learn how to do because like, I know I'm still not like where I normally am. Like I've started going to the gym again and it does make me feel better being on meds, but like, there's still something holding me back that I just don't know exactly what it is, but it's like, I needed that medication help to help me kind of just relax and relieve some anxiety, like in my, my normal natural ways. Well, and I, here's, here's a way for us internal medicine people to kind of get it too. Like, I think Jordan was in an acute phase of this disease, right? <laughs> we had to get through the acute phase right. of this, like, you know, I think of like an acute kidney pay- patient, yeah. right? Like the stuff we do when they're in that acute phase of, of that non-homeostasis disease is very different than what we do for long-term, right? Yeah. We wean them down to lowest effective dose of whatever that is, whether that's medications or exercise or diet or whatever it is. Right. Like, like, I think that's one of the things that's great about having these conversations is realizing that it, you know, Liz said it, reiterated it today, right. We want to end the stigma of saying that it's a failure on your part or anyone's part to quote unquote, have to go on these medications. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, like, and I think something was off balance and we're going to bring it into balance and we're going to learn how to be healthy and bring ourselves back into homeostasis so we can be productive and happy with our lives. And I think that is the key that without that homeostasis at base, you can't work on those other things, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You can't focus on getting outside, getting out on the boat, going to the sandbar, right? Fishing with your kids. Yeah. Like, like Yvonne, you can't focus on your she shack, right? right? (laughs) Getting it done, getting that construction done. And then knowing that you're going to have this wonderful, beautiful space that, that will nourish you in Mm -hmm. the long term, Mm -hmm. Right. But being able to focus on those things requires that balance first, right? That Mm -hmm. underlying homeostasis first. So I think once you have that, right, once you 
have been evaluated or whatever. And you're like on your meds and you're feeling like, like Jordan, right? You just mentioned mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, I know I should journal more. I should. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to say, let's take should out of our vocabulary <laughs> forever. Yes. Um, it's not a helpful word. It is so hard to not have that word in our vocabulary and catch yourself catch yourself as you're talking how many times you say should it is oh, I, I believe found, it. it is remarkable <laughs> well yeah. I have these conversations to- with my daughter where she was like I really want to do my back walk over on beam but like I can't I was like no 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 we don't say I can't she's like right. well I mean like she's like I should do it I was like no you will do it right. I was like <laughs> you know so right. it's like it's there. a do as I say don't not as I do thing <laughs> it's just like <laughs> well right exactly I should myself all the time yeah, help, but I'm trying not to do it to other people. And I'm trying to extend that same grace to myself, mm-hmm. uh, which is difficult, but it's so I hard to care for you. yourself, like when, especially when you're like that personality of just being empathetic and just like, yeah. you want to help everybody that it is one of those things where it's like you, my friends tell me all the time, like you have such great advice. Like I love coming to talk to you, but it's like, I don't take any of my own advice and I really need to <laughs> like, I yes. just, yeah. yes, yep. well, like, Yes. So that's something. So let me take a step back and say, you talked about getting to this point. And again, I'm going to reiterate mm-hmm. yet again, I am not a mental health professional, <laughs> but you reiterated that you're at this place. You feel good about where your medications are. You're back mm-hmm. in the gym, that things feel like they're moving forward. You're moving in a positive direction. So there are a few other things, fine tuning things that you really want to get under control that you want for yourself to do. So that in my mind, that's where a mental health professional can step in. Mm-hmm. So this is yes, where very much a counselor or a therapist or a social worker can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Lots of people don't find regular old talk therapy helpful. Some people like to do it in a group. Some people like peer support. Some people want that more traditional therapy model of Mm -hmm. like, you know, hardly anybody lays on a sofa anymore with the (laughs) therapist like behind them where you don't see them, right? That's like a really old model. Um, But talk therapy isn't great for everybody. Some people want to do mindfulness training. Some people want to do journaling or um, something more active like uh, like cognitive behavioral therapy, which has really come to the fore mm. in terms of anxiety and things like that. It's a little more active and kind of brain training. You, you, know, you do homework. It's the kind of thing that type A people, I think, really enjoy. Say, that sounds fantastic. All of us are like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so like those kinds of things, right? That's where then you can start that exploration of that self-actualization kind mm. of part, right? Okay. Now I've gotten my base stuff down. I'm no longer feeling like I want to hurt myself. I recognize that the future looks better than where I might be right now. Everything is thrown into insanity with the pandemic. Mm. So that added stress of the entire world, right? Being on us in whatever stress we're already going through, that's so difficult. It is remarkable to me that anyone is functioning well at this time. Um, It's really, it's, it's incredible. And it's something to be proud of uh, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's difficult 
uh, with everything that's going on. So, yeah. so those, so, so once you've kind of gotten to that point and now you're ready to self-actualize, right? So how do you self-actualize? And I think that for us, especially on the veterinary support side is a challenge because, mm. um, self-actualization in most cases isn't free. There are places, right? You can go online and learn about journaling and you can, you know, learn about meditation and stuff like that. But if you want to go to therapy, uh, and I do really believe that, I don't think that there is a person on the planet that would not benefit from therapy, Mm -hmm. um, honestly, uh, but therapy costs money. Mm. It's not cheap. It's, you know, that's the other thing. It's not, not only is it not free, it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, So how do we fix that? So I will say part of, if you're part of the not one more vet family, you have access to a free month of online counseling with BetterHelp. The great thing about BetterHelp is if you don't like your counselor that they hook you up with, it's super easy to change. No pressure, no shame, no nothing. Just tell them you want a new match. Uh, and they'll reassign you to someone. Mm-hmm. You can use that person as much as you want during that month. They wow. have text-based options. They have you know messaging. They have video. Uh, so the way that BetterHelp works is there isn't a limit in your sessions. It's whatever you and your counselor uh, you know come up with in terms wow. of your relationship. So that's pretty incredible. For some folks, right, you're going to want to continue on past a month because a month may not get you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Some people use therapy for individual issues. I used it a year and a half ago, a year ago, uh, because I was procrastinating on something that was important to me, but I kept procrastinating about it. And I wouldn't, I, and I couldn't figure out why, what was the block that was mm-hmm. keeping from just sitting down and focusing and getting it done. And I knew that not doing it was making me miserable. And the more I didn't do it, the more miserable I was. Um, but I couldn't break myself out of it. I feel like you're speaking to me on a personal level right now. <laughs> like- and, you know, so I, I reached out. I used that free month. And I just said, Hey, I have this thing. I have always been a procrastinator. I don't think I will ever change from that. I think I will always be a procrastinator, but this was something, it felt different to me. And it was Mm -hmm. much more psychologically disturbing to me than previous uh, issues and Mm -hmm. episodes of procrastination had been. Um, And it was super helpful, but like a month was pretty much all I needed. Yeah. Right. So, but that's not true for everyone. Some people are going to need less time. Some people are going to need more time. So Mm. BetterHelp is an affordable option, but it's still not cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so that's one option. The other thing that I encourage people to do is make, check with your employer and see if they have an employee assistance program or plan, Mm. uh, an EAP. Most corporate practices have an EAP that um, a lot of times the employees just aren't even aware of. Uh, and it is confidential. It is part of your benefit. So there are definitely free offerings as part of the EAP. And usually there is some kind of a counseling 
aspect that is available. But they do, EAPs do all kinds of stuff, you know, smoking cessation programs and, mm-hmm. and substance abuse and mm. um, all kinds of stuff. Um, some have legal help and things like that. So it's anything for an employee that needs help. So I encourage you, particularly if you're in a corporate practice, to reach out to your HR department and find out about your options for an EAP if, you're, mm. if your company has it. If they don't have it, then um, I would encourage you to have them talk to their health, the healthcare insurance provider, their agent, their other insurance providers about setting one up because it's a really valuable thing that they can offer as an employee benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helps, it helps the employees. So it's, it's a, I think, I don't know why more job listings don't list their EAP as part of their benefits, but a lot of them don't, even though I know that these companies have EAPs. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think, think too, you could check with like your spouse's um, company because my husband's totally. company does offer all that for me to utilize yeah. as well. Um, mm. Same, like I have access to a lawyer if I want it um, for even like simple things that I think that I should know to do, but I don't like creating a will because I have children. And right. <laughs> like, no, that, that's exactly it. You know, yeah. you like, you know, this is something that, that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to should you. But (laughs) state planning is an important thing to have. And then to know that you have access to a lawyer where you could at least get started um, for free, there's going to be expenses down the line. Um, But that can be a huge weight as well. It is starting the process. Mm -hmm. Well, and I started therapy through my husband's work because they offered it for free for like six weeks or whatever. So, and a lot of times you'll be able to use that with your same therapist. You won't have to find a whole new therapist. Yeah. Sometimes you can translate the benefit, not always, but depends on the Hmm. program. Now my husband has no idea any of this stuff exists. So, but right, Right. I I take charge of of it all, but it's all online. Yeah. And most of us have no idea this exists, right? We didn't even yeah. know that there, there, there was, is such a thing as an EAP. Um, it's a very, I don't know why it's such a hidden benefit, but it's definitely, a I don't know why either, benefit. because I think like I can, turns out like I can get like LASIK eye surgery and stuff oh, like yeah. that too, through, um, my husband's benefits and stuff like that. And so, yeah, like you probably have to pay for the surgery, but it's, you get a, re- a reduction or something. Yeah. Or yeah. It's like, uh, we have like a, I think it's like, it's almost like a down payment kind of thing. It's like they cover the majority of it and I have to pay this amount. So right. Like a copay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. So I definitely urge all of you guys who are listening, all of you folks, all of you dudes who are listening uh, to, uh, and, you know, dudes is non-gender specific. That's everyone. Uh, I, you know, encourage you to reach out to your company to find out if there's an EAP. Most smaller practices probably aren't going to offer it. So Jordan, like I'm guessing your practice Mm -mm. doesn't offer an EAP. It's small. Um, So there's, you know, if you work for a a single practitioner or a few doctor practice, you know, they probably don't offer it. But if you work for a corporate, certainly, definitely, if you work for any of the like VCA, Mars, Banfield, there's an EAP. So Mm -hmm. mind you, like my boss and my office manager are fantastic that when I do talk to him about the problems that I'm having and if finances come up, they will find a way to try to help me. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're just so fortunate. My, my work is like seriously the best place I've ever 
I've ever experienced. <laughs> like I love my, I texted him this morning and I was like, just so you know, I appreciate you. I was like, <laughs> cause like nobody else cares. Like we had a person call it last Friday and she was texting me. She's like, I feel really bad. And I was like, why? I was like, you're yeah. sick. Yeah. I was mm. like, take care of yourself. And we were like texting back and forth all day. Cause she ended up like, you know, going to the hospital and stuff. And he was really yeah. concerned too. And he's like, well, just like, keep me updated on her. And then he checked on her all weekend. So she yeah. texted me and she's like, I've never, like, he actually cares. And I was like, yeah. I was like, he cares about how you feel, not just like, you know, whether or not you're at work. I was like, we did yeah. fine on Friday without you. Like, it was fine. Like, yes, we missed you, but nobody's mad that you called off. Like, yeah. <laughs> We would rather work shorthanded than have to work with you sick, not yeah. at the top of your game. That's, you know, and you know, guess what? Guess what? Everybody listening, I want you to t- internalize this, take this to heart. That counts for your mental health too. It's yes. not just your physical yeah. health. If you are not feeling a hundred percent or 90% or 85% pick your own number. But if you're not there, don't go to work. Your people will be better. Even if they're shorthanded, mm-hmm. they'll be better with, without you there than if you were there at 40%. Or and, and I will, I will throw something in with that too. Um, because there are, I've seen the, the like posts in some of the Facebook groups where people are like, you know, it, then I get the guilt trips from, from people I work with or my, my boss or, and stuff like that. And then I will push back and say, that is your boss's issue. That is not your issue. That is not your coworker's issue. That is an inappropriate management situation because you should never feel guilty for taking care of yourself. And if your boss is making someone feel guilty about it, then they haven't appropriately staffed your hospital. Yes. And we know they should, they should be, they should be looking for people to help staff the hospital because you should be able to take your time off. You should be able to take care of your physical, mental, all that well-being, and not and not feel consequences for it. Yes. Right. And, and that's, yes. that's something in the veterinary profession, I think across the board, we can be better at. Yes. <laughs> Cause like, it's a challenge. It's a yeah. challenge. There's a huge shortage. We know there's mm. a huge shortage. Yep. Um, I think, I think it's worse now than it was a year and a half ago. It is way worse <laughs> now. And there are lots of reasons for that. We could do a whole other podcast episode <laughs> on yeah. the reasons around that and potential fixes for that. Yeah. Um, but we'll just put a pin in that for yeah. right now. <laughs> the, the underlying message there is though, that is not on you. Mm-hmm. So if you need that time, um, take the time. Yeah. And again, I am not going to should anyone who's listening here. I will just encourage you to think about your wellness focus on your Mm -hmm. wellness and know that if you are not operating at a hundred or whatever number pick your number 90 percent 85 percent physically and mentally um it's going to be difficult for you to actually contribute at the level that you will be expected to contribute and that you expect yourself to contribute that too right and then you're in a cycle right Mm -hmm. then you're in another cycle of oh my gosh i 
you know, I made a mistake because mm -hmm. I was distracted or I was upset or I mm -hmm. am in so much pain today, that, but I still came to work and now I made a mistake and, you know, something terrible happened to mm -hmm. a patient that you were taking care of. Um, then you're in a cycle again of like, oh God, if I had just taken the day off, maybe right. none of that would have happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. so, so I think something that I have been doing recently myself is as I took, I listened to Jordan talk on a previous episode and I said, you know what? I am going to start treating myself um, and talking to myself the way I treat my friends and the way I talk to my friends. So mm -hmm. when they come to me and they have problems or they come to me and say, oh, I feel guilty for not going to work or I feel, um, you know, my back is killing me today. I could probably work. I'm not, I'm, you know, at like 60%, but I know they're going to be short if I don't go in. I also know if I go in with my back killing me that I won't be able to do anything for like a week because mm -hmm. I know it will get worse or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And the advice that I would give to that person. And so I am now trying to focus on giving that advice to myself, mm -hmm. being gentle with myself, treating myself with empathy that I tried to extend to other people. So yeah. I encourage both of you to do the <laughs> same thing, to think about Yvonne, to think about how you would talk to Jordan if Jordan came to you with the problem that you're wrestling with and Jordan to do the same for, yeah. you know, for yourself. If Yvonne came to you and said, I'm wrestling with this problem. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm not sure how to fix it. Uh, and I feel like a terrible person because I can't fix it. Like what, it, what would you say? And then say that to yourself. Right. Um, and it's hard. We are not trained to do that. No. We are not trained to be gentle <laughs> with ourselves. And I think, um, it's crazy. Is, Cause I think I just hold myself to such high expectations. Exactly. Right. You know, exactly. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I heard you in the last podcast talk about how you are seen as the strong one. You are okay. seen as the one who always gives the advice. You are seen as the one who can never be scared or show vulnerability. And yet here you are in the secret space of your <laughs> upstairs office, yes. sharing all of this vulnerability with the world and yet not allowing those closest to you to see that same vulnerability and to know you're not always the superwoman. Um, I am not always the superwoman type A go-getter. Um, you know, we just can't be that all the time, but we have to, like Yvonne said, remove that stigma and be more open about the struggles that we're having, um, which is why I think not one more vet, not one more vet support staff, is so valuable because that peer support sometimes mm -hmm. can be enough. It can be exactly what you need, you know, outside of therapy, outside of a structured environment with a, with a therapist, peer support can be tremendously powerful to hear that someone else has gone through the same things that you're going through right now, or they're going through it right now at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to know that you're not alone in your struggle uh, and then to have resources available for help. Um, I think those are the pieces that we're trying, that we try to put together. So yeah. there's another thing that 
not one more vet is going to be launching soon, which is called Lifeboat. Uh, it's going to start on the veterinary side, and then they're going to hopefully roll it out to the support staff side uh, pretty quickly after they make sure it's working well. Um, what that is is peer support. So you have a direct peer person, like a kind of like a peer counselor, but it's really, you know, it's, again, not someone with mental health training, um, but it's backed up by real life therapists and um, mm -hmm. social workers and things, you know, people with support in real life, with resources and support you know, in real life. So mm -hmm. it's more than just sitting down and, and, you know, bitching with someone about the bad things that are going on in your life. Mm -hmm. there, there are actual resources that, that you can be connected with. So I think that is going to be really powerful when it yeah. happens. It's, yeah. it's a natural offshoot of the group and what the group's work is already. Mm. Um, so I think it's going to be a really nice uh, additional offering for folks. And I hope it's going to come to the support staff side really soon. I like that idea. Cause like there is something to be said. I mean, this is why I think the Facebook works so well is because there's something to be said about talking to strangers or getting strangers advice versus like your friends who you just kind of assume that they have to say nice things about you. Right. You know, it's like, it's even though I know that's not what they're doing, but in my brain, it's like hard to convince myself that they're not just like trying to be nice because they're my friends. Like they're, it, yeah. Well, there's also it's like a that. pen pal for like, yeah, <laughs> like for your mental health. Like yeah. it's some stranger who really knows nothing about you telling you it's going to be fine. Well, right. and I think the other thing too, that's nice about it is there's just, there's stuff being a veterinary professional that a non-veterinary professional has absolutely no clue what, what we're talking about or what we deal with. And that's something that's really nice. Like I've, I've definitely posted in, in that group because I was like, you guys will understand what I'm talking about versus, you know, someone who doesn't do this as a professional, um, doesn't quite understand the nuances of dealing with it. And then the other great thing that that's so awesome about that group is you can post on there anonymously, yes. which is amazing. So if you don't want anybody to really know, but you really need to get it off your chest and just get it out there, that I think is huge because that, you know, yes, there's a stigma, but there's also, I think people are embarrassed, you know, like, yes. like and I'm embarrassed, like I was really embarrassed to like talk about this stuff. And then once Jordan and I started talking about it, it was like, holy crap, wait, it's not just me. And then, exactly. you know, we, we shared it in, in not one more bet. And then all these like amazing rock star technicians that we've been dealing with, it's like, yeah, they deal with the same thing. And, and all of a sudden they were able to start talking about it. And then you kind of go, oh, right. We're all human beings, you yeah, know, like exactly none right. of us are better than the other. Yes. We're further along in our profession and maybe oh. We are presidents of the academy or we're doing all this stuff but when it comes down to it like we're just technicians like That's right. we yeah we've done it longer but that probably means we have more baggage <laughs> yeah i mean we're, we're <laughs> technicians and we're humans right mm -hmm. and if, if this the the covid pandemic has shown us you know when the, the entire world is dealing with the same kinds of pressures, right? To varying yeah. degrees, depending on where you are. Um, and that, to me, has really united us as people, yeah. as humans, to say, 
we're all in truly, it's not just trite. We really are all in this together. Um, And it applies to public health, but it applies to each of our own individual mental health and our functioning. Mm -hmm. And I, I guarantee you that someone in not one more vet support staff has experienced what you're experiencing now. You know, they have attempted suicide. They have hurt themselves. They have come out the other side of that. They have been depressed. They have dealt with uh, a, a loss of a family member that has gone through any yes. of those parts. Yes. 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 And so that is the power of peer support. That's the power of the group is yeah. knowing, knowing you're not alone. And, and believing it, right? Mm-hmm. But it takes, it does take uh, strength and vulnerability to put yourself out there. Even in the anonymous post, I think can, it can be um, scary to write it down somewhere to say, yeah. mm. hey, I'm th- I, have, I have been thinking um, that the world would be better off without me. And mm. that's a scary thing to tell another person. Um, well, cause I do still think that there's a stigma. I mean, like, I remember there's just a stigma of like, oh, well, they're just doing it for attention. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. not, no. they need no. attention. Yes. But it's not, that's not what they're doing. Like, no, it's, but it's like, it's, it, but it's that help attention. Yeah. Right? Like the, it's a cry for help. It's yeah. not a cry for attention. It's right. just like, you know, it's like nobody's there to listen. And I do like that you can post anonymously. I, we talk about how now I'm so open about it, but my very first, like the only way I got started was because I posted anonymously through not one more vet support staff. Really? Yep. Hmm. I I didn't talk about it to anybody until I posted anonymously. I'm glad that you did. Yeah. And then when you posted anonymously, did you find what, what kind of support did you find? Just the support alone from whoever I was talking to through not one more support staff, just via messaging was amazing. Like it was amazing that like, it was almost to the point where like, I didn't need it to be posted on the Facebook page. Our anonymous post team is really amazing. Yeah. Like it was fantastic. The conversation I had of like real things, like we talked about if I was thinking about hurting myself, if I was prepared to maybe go to a hospital and check in, you know, is we talked about things that I hadn't thought about that I didn't want to think about, but they made me think about it. And I was like, okay, this is getting really scary, but they made me feel comfortable. Yeah. Well, it is scary when you're at the point where you're thinking about hurting yourself, when you're thinking again, that the world might be better off without you. That's a scary place to be regardless of how depressed you might be. That's not a comfortable place um, for anyone. It feels lonely. It feels frightening. It's that sense of failure though, too. It's like, and that too. And I think that's like the big thing for me is like, I don't want to fail, but at the same time, like if I'm going to fail, then like, what's the point? You know, it's like, if I'm already there, then like, and that is something so unique, I think to the veterinary side. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that other people don't have the same fear of failure, but so many of us are type A driven perfectionists that the idea of being anything less than that perfect ideal is scary. 
And well, I think the career not only is it too, scary, yeah, it makes us feel bad about ourselves. It makes yeah. us feel worse about ourselves than we already felt. And I think the career too itself, like there's not a lot of room to keep growing. Like yeah. it's, you know, I had to find the fact that I could get a VTS. I could, had to find the fact that I could be a practice manager or start my own business outside of it. it it's, but to just, it doesn't take long to very much feel like you're stuck yeah. and like there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Which exactly. is a bummer. Right. And also it's a lie, yeah. right? None of yeah. us is stuck. And that's in, that's your brain telling you a lie. That is your brain, your own brain, your own depression, your own anxiety lying to you, mm -hmm. um, trying to keep you, you know, I think of it as, as somebody in my head, right? Trying to keep me in my place. Don't yeah. try to rise above your station. Don't think you can do mm. whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, and so how do you battle that? Well, cause basic? I think too, as a type A though, too, it's like you, you, half of you knows that like you can do it and you can always be better. And then the other half of you is like, but this is my opportunity where what if I fail? <sighs> Right. You know, oh, you is, mean that and then, and that's where we're linked to, <laughs> like, yes, that's where we're linked to imposter syndrome where it's yes. like, Oh, this is when everyone finds out. I don't actually know what I'm doing. This is the time. This is it. This is when <laughs> I oh, think this every week, <laughs> every Tuesday <laughs> at 1230 AM. <laughs> this is the day I have made it 50 years, but this is the day that yeah. people are going to find out that I am a total fraud. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, I can't make mistakes. I'm not human because I've already right. like pushed myself to be this super tech. Right. And right. it's just like, I should know everything. And I, I joke I, about it. Like I research a lot and like, and then I forget things. And then it's like, I'm going to start doing that NSR, you know, in, in animal behavior that mm -hmm. it's, it's not NSR. It's a non-reward, non-reward marker, NRM. I'm going to start doing that. This is, you guys do this and you don't even recognize, you don't have a name for it, but it's a, ah, 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 right? <laughs> Your dogs are doing something, they're eating something they shouldn't eat. Ah, or just, yeah, who did, did, Yvonne, did you do that? Yeah. Okay. So that's what you have to do now to yourself. Oh Every time you use should, I want you to imagine me going, ah, stop it don't do that oh my god that's amazing <laughs> so it's true and i think that that is the value of this series it's the value of not one more vet it's the value of that peer support is to have to hear other people say that same thing right to hear i know people look at my resume, right? They see my name online and they they have a, an idea in their head about, oh, she never has any problems. She's perfect. Look at everything she's achieved. Oh my God. She never has doubts. She does everything perfectly all the time. And none of that is true. <laughs> so, you know, I think that is the, is so important for people to hear and understand that even those, I mean, it is the lesson I think it was the wake up call that Sophia Yin left for us, which was you can be at the absolute apex, the very top of your mm -hmm. career, hugely respected, hugely accomplished and have those same feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we I'm, have to talk about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now you're doing some training because Yvonne and I have talked, there's not a lot of resources out there. Yeah. Not one more vet is a great resource. Yeah. But it that's all there is. And then, yeah. but we've talked about too, how we want to get involved in some sort of like training. So you talked about the QPR training too, but what else you're doing something else? Yeah. So I'm, I've just started my journey to become a certified compassion fatigue professional. So it's a certification um, and kind of like a VTS, you have to search out uh, a CE program that basically gives you the educational background that then allows you to get the certification. So mm. I'm doing mine through uh, PESI uh, and that is PESI.com. They, but there are other places that offer similar, um, the education you need to get the certification. Um, and some focus more on trauma, um, some focus more on compassion fatigue, it, you know, specifically, but some it's more how trauma informs compassion fatigue. So it's kind of mm. what your interest is. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, again, just at the start and just kind of skimming the surface of that. Mm -hmm. um, but that is something that uh, I think the Green Cross is another, um, is one of the, another organization that offers some of the education part. Hmm. Um, and now is it veterinary specific? No, it's not veterinary okay. specific. Uh, but they limit their certification courses to people in certain professions, and veterinary medicine is one of those professions. Hmm. Oh, that, cool. That is um, open to this. So um, it's basically like a healthcare. Yeah, I imagine like human nurses and stuff like that. And exactly. Mm -hmm. So those are, so that is something I'm really interested in more because I want to really bring more uh, resources to my work as a part of Not One More Vet. And mm -hmm. I feel like getting a little bit more training on that side would be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, QPR, so that gatekeeper training that's free through AVMA, um, that question, persuade, refer, that training is free and they call it the gatekeeper training, but they have additional training that goes a little more in depth that's offered by that same um, company. So okay. you can become, um, you can become more certified. Like you can become a QPR trainer basically, and then go out and, and help other people uh, learn how to do, uh, learn how to do the QPR stuff. Mm. Um, and then there is another course that I haven't been able to find a course I can take, but I have been very interested in getting training through, uh, mental health first aid and it's mentalfirstaid.org. Oh, cool. And they offer courses to help people. I mean, it's just like first, you know, just like physical first aid, veterinary first aid, or like mm. what you take through the Red Cross, right? So when a mental health crisis happens, you know what to do to help mm. someone. Um, and so I really want to get that training. Again, I haven't been able to find a training. They don't offer a ton of courses, unfortunately, um, and they're not free. So you, uh, but it is something that I have been interested in and looking into for a while. And that, with COVID, maybe the courses are virtual because I haven't looked during COVID to see what's going on. With yeah. That. They might be virtual, so it might be easier now. That'd be cool. Um, and that's mentalhealthfirstaid.org. And then, of course, there's the University of Tennessee social work program. So the University of Tennessee um, has a 
veterinary school and they have a social work school and they have established really, I think the only, definitely the first school of veterinary social work. Mm. Uh, And they have a certificate program, but they also have a full on master's degree program. Mm. So if you want to get your master's in veterinary social work, you can do that. It's a combination of uh, virtual and on campus, or at least it was pre-COVID, like you had to go to campus <laughs> once or twice a year. Um, and But the certificate is a little, it's less expensive. It's a little less intense. It's not a master's degree. So I think it's a, like only a nine month or a year long program mm-hmm. for the certificate. Don't quote me on that, but you can look it up at the University of Tennessee yeah. Veterinary so, School of Veterinary Social Work. That's um, awesome. And so that is another thing that I've kind of been um, interested in for a little bit too, thinking about um, doing. Mm, yeah, I, I think Jordan and I, we talked about it in one of the episodes that some of the, I, I mean, honestly, it's probably more universities are having veterinary social workers. And I, and I really think that is going to be, I think, I think that is going to be a big game changer for our industry is having, having that support in, in clinics um, for both not, us and yeah. pet owners, right? Like exactly. it's, it's, it's for both, which I think we do so much counseling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, that, it's outside of our range. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. not, it's not, it's above our pay scale, yeah. ours or the vets, right? Yeah. How many times have you had to negotiate or mediate between a mm. husband and a wife mm-hmm. about a pet about how you're going to go forward with a treatment plan Mm -hmm. or like you're not even mediating but you're stuck in the room while they're arguing because mm -hmm. you just come in to talk about the treatment plan and now they're back and forth and Mm -hmm. it's getting deep and heavy like oh yeah I shouldn't be here I need to Um, those are the perfect situations for a a social worker Mm -hmm. so something an interesting model that is happening now is practices in a geographic area are sharing a social worker. So you might have a social Mm. worker who is contracted to three or four different practices. And this is the kind of thing I think is perfect for a specialty practice with a referral community Mm. to like, that would be a really good thing to start to set up Mm. for your referral community is say, hey, we have reached out, we have a social worker who is nearby. we can all share the cost of the social worker's contract. Um, And what they will offer is, you know, grief counseling. So they'll do a grief counseling group for our clients on a monthly basis. They will do, uh, Dove Lewis in Oregon does this. They have a social worker who does pet care. So pet loss for their clients and employees can come to those workshops as well. And then she does wellness stuff for the employees. Mm. And that's like on a monthly or uh, twice a month or every other month basis. Um, And so they, you know, she comes in and she does art therapy or Mm. maybe yoga or meditation or, uh, you know, just a support group or just a grief group or a trauma group, right? The opportunities there are really incredible. And these professionals know a lot more about the stuff they can offer um, Mm -hmm. and really make an amazing value proposition. So this is something that I have been thinking more and more about and trying to encourage people to look into. You don't have to bear all of the costs yourself, share it with other practices around you. You, 
the, the social worker will be busy. They will have plenty of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I'm thinking like that would be fantastic for us who take on animals as projects and then we get that caregiver fatigue <laughs> and we don't know how to like, we don't know as technicians because we almost know too much. We don't know when to stop if we're dragging it out too long or if we're not doing enough or, you right. know, it's like, I know clients feel that too, but I feel like as veterinary professionals, we feel it almost like, it's harder just because yeah. having the knowledge of yeah, what's possible. So <laughs> so could you imagine if we had like, like that support system to be like, right. no, like you're doing fine. Maybe stop taking on projects of right. <laughs> right. A pregnant but mom. animals, like, but to also help you through that decision-making mm -hmm. and yeah. to talk through a little bit about what are the reasons I mean, Jordan, you have been really self-aware and very self-intelligent about the reason you took in this pregnant foster dog. Yes. Like, I have so much I should be dealing with with myself, and this is perfect because I don't have to deal with any of it because I'm yep. so busy with this dog and her puppies. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, it gives me yeah. that excuse where I'm like, well, I'm not sleeping because of her. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, so that's something I think that I would really want to encourage more practices to do. There aren't a lot of veterinary specific social workers yet, uh, but there are a ton of social workers. Find an MSW or even an LSW, a licensed social worker versus a person with a master's in social work. Find an LSW. I guarantee you they, there are a bunch in your area, no matter where you are, you can find someone. Um, maybe not veterinary specific yet. There just aren't enough of those, but you can find a social worker who can definitely be helpful. How great practice. would it be for some of these technicians who are getting burnt out with clinical practice or they broke their back or, you know, their knees or whatever it is, instead of leaving completely, like how cool would do this. that be like for as an option? It is, it is a really amazing. There know. are some people who would be amazing at it. I know technicians who are doing that, who mm. have got to the point they're burned out in, in clinical practice, or they physically can't do it anymore and are going through the program at the mm. end That's so awesome. I feel cheap, like, right. Yeah. But, yeah. That'd be amazing though, because it's like a veterinary technician's career is so short because lots of reasons. for lots of reasons. Yeah. yeah because <laughs> of all the reasons. And right. then it's like one of those things, but it's like, if you talk to every veterinary technician, they're like, well, I love what I do, but I just can't handle it anymore. And it's like, right. what if we right. just switched gears a little and like, mm. you know, yeah. Cause yeah. I love what I do too. And I, I think if I got out of this, I, I always talk about if my boss decides to close his practice, I'm not doing veterinary medicine anymore. I'm done. And that almost happened back in December. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I was like, I guess I'll go work at the chiropractor office. Like it was just one but of those I things. Think that could be a whole other series for you guys to talk about what are other options? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what can you do outside of veterinary medicine? And that just talking about it and that it's a topic that comes up in not one more vet um, often. Yeah, oh, I'm uh, sure. And talking about it gives people ideas. They, then they start to realize, oh, I have skills that are, that are, translatable to yeah. other industries mm -hmm. and my knowledge is wanted and appreciated yeah. in other places yeah. um, I'm not stuck I'm not stuck there are yeah. lots of things I can go do I've mm -hmm. said it before where like I think because my degree is not translatable like my degree is very much a veterinary technology degree right. I can't really take it anywhere else but my skills personally and physically are valuable exactly. everywhere mm -hmm. exactly right and your knowledge your medical yeah. knowledge 
you know, so yeah, your degrees in veterinary technology, but you have taken it beyond that, not only with your clinical experience, but your certifications. Mm -hmm. And that is valuable. That is knowledge that you can take anywhere. I talked to my niece, who's a nurse practitioner and the physiology, right? Like at Mm -hmm. a cellular level, the physiology is the the same. same. Yeah, I was helping one of my dynamics and the pharmacokinetics are the same. Like the we use the same drugs for the same things. Like you can, I don't want to encourage more of us to leave for human medicine, but yeah, it's there. You're Mm -hmm. not far away from being able to function at a high level in human medicine either. Yeah. That I don't want to encourage anyone to do that. (laughs) I know it's such a bummer. I want to encourage people to stay in veterinary medicine and find a way to make it better, more mentally healthy, Mm -hmm. more monetarily healthy, Mm -hmm. more physically healthy. So I think those are so interwoven with each other though. Mm -hmm. I think, I think for us to combat like all this, it it needs to be a holistic approach to our, like our industry's health in general. For you know, sure. and I, and I do think that conversations like this and some of the others that are, are being had, I think it just helps open that, that conversation and remind people that there's, there's, there's still more work to be done. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't know everything. <laughs> and it gives us a direction. I think for me, that's the most mm, important part yeah. is hope and a direction so that we can move forward. So knowing that it's not gonna be like this forever, nothing is like this forever. Everything eventually ends um, and remembering that too. Mm. And that when we get to the point where we feel like we can have some agency in creating that change, that we can work and that there are directions we can go to make that change happen. For sure. Yeah. It's that, that whole idea of the semicolon. That's yeah. right. That's exactly right. A pause. <laughs> it's not an ending. It's right. a pause and yeah. we keep, and we keep going. And I definitely think that we're getting there. I mean, I think unfortunately COVID has sucked for a lot of people, but it's brought to light, like the direction that veterinary medicine needs to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's really just brought it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was always there in the background, but I think it took I think it took a pandemic for people to be like, oh crap, There's this is really affecting a right lot there. of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. And now for the question of the week. So the question of the week this week, I would love to hear from people about what a time that you struggled and what you did to pull yourself out of the struggle. And I think that we should uh, be talking about it and sharing it. And that's, I would love to hear um, I'd love to hear about it. So that would be my question of the week. When, Ooh, when have one. you struggled and with what, and what helped you in that struggle? Love it. It's the tip of the week. My tip of the week is, um, it gets better. Mm. It always gets better. No matter what your brain is telling you, no matter what your anxiety or your depression is telling you, it it gets better and take it from a 50 year old, old lady. Um, whatever. Oh my God. Oh, like, you know, I, my brain's lying to me. 
that's a right. solid tip. Like, it's a solid tip. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> because your brain is lying to you. Yes, yeah. my brain yeah. is lying to me. Exactly. I don't trust liars' yeah. brain. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I need to get it together here. So, I'm not so, going to should you. Right. Yes. You together no. and whole and perfect, just the yes. way you are. Oh, thanks. She's exactly like where she needs to be. And that's right. um, yeah, that's right. It's all coming around. And I, you know, I appreciate you saying that me being so open about it's going to help a lot of people because that was my hope. That's my goal. For sure. Well, and I don't know. I just, I know how lost I felt. And then like, yeah, it took, like I said, me posting anonymously and all the help that I got just from one post Yeah, and then talking to people about it. So I like this episode. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> so I, I mean, I think we've talked about not one more vet support staff mm-hmm. a few times. Um, we're obviously passionate about it. Um, we shared, I think the, for the first time this week, um, in our Facebook group that we did create, um, a t-shirt with the semicolon and, um, for every t-shirt that is sold, we will be donating $5 to not one more vet support staff. Um, just because, we love everything that's available there and we want to support it. Yeah, no problem. That's so, that is just, it's going to, you know, it it makes a difference. We use it for lots of things. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll, we'll definitely make sure you guys can see that. Um, and, uh, share the heck out of it, please, because we really (laughs) want to make a pretty good contribution. Yes. Um, and we want to end the stigma and we want, I want people to feel, first of all, that you guys are not alone. Um, you know, we're big mush balls, really, honestly. So um, you can definitely talk to us. We are obviously not professionals at this, but it is, you know, it's part of that near and dear to our hearts and trying to make you be that best, um, you know, the best vet tech you can be. That's all part of this. So Liz, thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we could make it happen. And um, I hope that people enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it. And, um, you know, join us at in not one more vet support staff if you're not there already. Um, And take advantage of the resources that were that will be listed, uh, because I think those can be really helpful too. Yeah, for sure. (sighs) All right, guys, do we need to cover anything else before we head out for the week? No, I think we covered a lot. We covered a lot. Thank you. We covered a lot. <laughs> and here, Jordan and I were like, this will probably be a short episode. We've said that about every episode. Every episode. Week. We're like, they're really <laughs> short now, and they're like the longest ones we've had in a while. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we brought Liz in and uh, she gave a lot of good, good information. Thank so. you so much for having me. I am yeah. happy to talk with you guys. So. And on that puppy note in the background. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on. Keep getting your mental health and well-being game going, going strong. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.